Today's episode on the birth experience with Labor Nurse Mama is all about navigating the induction decisions. So maybe you've been told you need to be induced. Maybe you've been told you have to be induced. No matter how it's presented or if it's just something you're thinking you want to do, I suggest you stop and listen to this little shorty. And then we will walk you through some of the top reasons that we see that women are presented with induction. So enjoy this episode. Okay, so we are going to be talking about this is very quick, very short, because I have a masterclass that you guys can come to that's going to be live. But we're going to be talking about when is it okay to say no to an induction and when is it necessary? Hello, 38 weeks pregnant next week because you have gestational diabetes. So that is one of the things I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to go into like deep detail because I am teaching about this next week. We do have an old induction workshop or a past one that if you guys are interested in, I think it's $19. So if you're interested, just send us a DM and I'll send you the link to that. Okay, so far I've seen gestational diabetes questions. I've seen cholestasis and I just wanted to chat. So I love this that I have two different moms, one who is 35 weeks with gestational diabetes and one who is 38 weeks just with gestational diabetes. And the one who is 35 weeks is saying there's been no talk and then of induction. And then we have a 38-weeker who said they are talking of it. So typically, if you have gestational diabetes, they are going to want to induce you. Now, what I recommend is, and this is the same for all of you. So I want you guys to really um, hear me. Having a high-risk diagnosis, some of them, like gestational diabetes or VBAC or IVF or there's a few other ones, but I I don't want to go into all of them because you really need to be communicating with your provider and you need to look at the whole picture. So that's for all of you. It's really about the whole picture. So let's pretend I have a mama over here who is diagnosed with gestational diabetes, and then I have a mama over here that is diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So mama number one is diagnosed with gestational diabetes. She's diet controlled. Her blood sugars are within range. She is eating a very healthy diet. She's a very healthy mom. She has no other diagnosis. And baby is doing really good in the checkups. So maybe she's having a BPP, which is a biophysical profile, or she's having NSTs. And the baby is passing with flying colors. So that's mama number one. She's doing good. Baby's doing good. But She does have diet-controlled gestational diabetes. Then you have mama number two, and she has diabetes as well. It's not controlled by diet. She's having to take insulin, 
and she's still having some issues with her blood sugars. When you have a mama who is diet controlled, baby's doing good, mama's doing good, this is the mom who can take some time and really do her due diligence and tell her provider, hey, I am willing to come in for more checks to have the BPPs, to have the NSTs, but I do not want to be induced. Here's what we can do. And to make like a bargain with a provider that is really pushing for an induction. And you can say, you know what? I'm coming in now once a week for an NST and BPP. And I understand that you would prefer that I'm induced, but here's what I'm willing to do. How about I come in twice a week for NSTs and BPPs and I send you my blood sugars and as long as everything is controlled and baby's doing good, then I would like to wait for spontaneous labor. That is 100% reasonable. Now, if mama number two is really having a hard time keeping her blood sugar in control, even with medication, and she's going and baby's doing okay on the BPPs and the NSTs, she probably really wants to consider having an induction. That is a legit medical reason for a for having an induction. Now, let's say we have a mama who is an IVF pregnancy or maybe an older mama like I was when I had Grayson and her providers, I induce all mamas that are IVF. I induce all women who are over 35 because the risk of blah, 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 blah. And it's just my preference. This is what I like to do. This is what the studies tell me. And that's what we're doing. Here's what I would say. Again, mama one, mama two, maybe mama one is IVF and she's 39 years old, but she's in superb health. She eats a healthy diet. Her, she's had no other problems during her pregnancy. Her baby looks good when they've done the ultrasounds and a BPP and they've done an NST and baby looks fantastic. Then you have mama number two, right? She's IVF, she's older, and maybe she has been having some problems with other things. She's maybe overweight and she's having a hard time. Maybe she has asthma right? Something else is going on. And maybe they've done a couple BPPs that baby's not looking so fantastic, passing, but not passing really good. She might be a mom who might need a medically induced induction. But mama number one, she's, yeah, she's older. She's got IVF. She's, she was an IVF pregnancy. But she's doing really good and baby's doing really good. So if you can see a common thread here, right? We need to examine each situation. You, there is not one blanket answer for everyone. Each situation needs to be examined. And if you are having all these things going on and whatever your diagnosis is, it's not in control and baby is reacting to it, then you might be someone who needs to have an induction. Now for my mama who has cholestasis, again, what are your labs? 
How is baby growing? How are you doing? How is baby doing? If you have cholestasis and you're able to tolerate it, and your labs are not getting worse, they're not too bad, then have a discussion with your provider. Now, most of my mamas who have cholestasis, whose labs are reflecting that and who are just having a lot of issues, they want to be induced because they do not feel good. They're miserable. And that is an absolute 100% fantastic reason to be induced. When it's what you want, And even if it's elective, I have had some mamas who maybe their husband or their partner's in the military, or maybe they're moving soon and induction is the best answer for them. That is fine. And I'm going to discuss all of this more and how to process it in the induction masterclass, which I'm doing twice a month because they're like 80% of you guys probably more. I think the stats are only 15% of deliveries are not induced in some way. Ooh, these bangs. So this induction masterclass that I'm doing is so needed because so many of you guys blindly go into an induction or blindly go into an induction decision without knowing all the things. And I don't want that anymore. It frustrates me. I want you guys to be so freaking empowered that all the things, and not only in my induction masterclass, it's $27, you guys. And that includes your workbook, your induction birth plan. If it comes to you being induced, it's going to, it'll probably be an hour and a half or so. It depends on how many questions you guys have. It's live. I'm going to answer your questions and you're going to leave there feeling so confident in how to navigate this very prominent situation that most of my pregnant mamas face. There's a lot of labor nurses who have not done a whole bunch of spontaneous labor because so many women are induced. Should all of them be induced? No. An induction is an intervention. An intervention should only be used when necessary and needed. And I want to help you guys really break it down. Not only that, I'm going to also teach you how to self-induce and get labor kickstarted at home. So a lot of times when my virtual services students, so if you join one of my birth classes, you have an option to add on a monthly virtual service option where you have like very detailed access to me and my doulas. I have three doulas, two birth and one postpartum. And you also get your labor bat signal. That being said, inside of our labor bat signal, our virtual students can activate that at 37 weeks if they're being induced early and if we do it earlier. But if they're being induced, we have a plan of action that we help them get their cervix ready for that induction. So let's say induction is the best for you, or let's say you want to be induced. You don't want to just say, okay, I'm being induced on the 22nd and I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And then, hey, what kind of induction? I'm not sure. What are you doing to prepare? I've got my hospital bag packed. 
All of those things are great, but you should be able to answer what the plan of induction is. You should have an induction pre-plan where you're getting your baby as far into the pelvis as possible, your cervix is dilated and softened as possible and ready so that you will not end up in a failed induction because it's so common to end up in a failed induction. It's 100% super common. And we don't want that. The more your cervix is ready, the better. And I'm going to also teach that inside this masterclass. I'm so excited about this masterclass. And I haven't been talking about it a whole bunch, but it, we only have, we have limited seats because I don't want a huge amount of people. I want to be able to really break it down with you guys and answer your questions. And I don't want to be on there for 14 hours. It includes all the things. I'm going to give you your pre-induction plan. So you'll leave there knowing how to do nipple stimulation and whether you should do nipple stimulation, evening primrose oil. I'm going to, I'm going to break out my vagina prop, which I don't use often to show you how to do a perineal massage. We're going to talk about how, what settings for the nipple stimulation, how to do it, we're going to talk about prepping you if you're going to be induced and also getting your red body ready if you're not going to be induced. And you're going to have a whole guide to that to take home with you. And we're going to talk about how to minimize your fears, but also how to take ownership of your induction so that you are the one making the decisions. Let's think about some other reasons. I saw that someone had a question. She said, I am on blood thinner and they wanted me to be induced and I wish I could have waited a week later. So when you're on blood thinner, which was me with Grayson, I also had to be on blood thinner. And I have a whole story about that, you guys. I'll tell you real quick. So I had four, five successful pregnancies, and then I had three losses in a row. And so when I got pregnant with Grayson, I was filled with so much fear and anxiety and they told me that I needed to be on blood thinner, that they thought the risk of the, the loss would be lessened and that the blood thinner would help. And I did it out of fear. I did not do a whole bunch of research or education on my own. I wish I had. However, if you are on blood thinner, it is much better to have a controlled, like when you're your birth happens and labor, because if you go into labor and you have a lot of blood thinner in your system, you're at an increased risk for a postpartum hemorrhage. And postpartum hemorrhage is the leading cause of maternal death in the United States. I don't know all the other countries, but it's a leading cause of death. I, I just want to give you reassurance and peace that you made the right decision. Now, could you navigate coming off and, and not being induced a week later? Maybe, but being induced was probably the best option for you. Now, another one I want to talk about, and again, I want you guys to come to this workshop. I know you are going to leave there feeling so empowered and so knowledgeable about this whole induction BS and process. But Another one that's really common is the big baby talk. And then the other one is the ARRIVE study. So I want to hit those two before we end this short little informative session with Flavor Nurse Mama. Okay, so big babies. If you've been told that you are having a big baby and usually it goes like this, right? You start hearing these little hints. This baby is, this baby's going to be a big one. 
You start hearing that, right? At some of your appointments. Wow, you really, this is a big baby. Another appointment. They're starting to poke that in, right? Then you hear you're, you, this baby is measuring big. I think the best thing we should do is we should induce you at 39 weeks. We don't want you to go farther and this baby too big. And then we have an emergency and a shoulder dystocia or maybe even worse. So what I would say to you is number one, that the growth ultrasounds are often off by up to two pounds. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the OR, my patient came in for a scheduled cesarean because her baby was too big and the baby comes out between six and seven pounds. And then what happens is the provider will say something like, I don't think you could have delivered this baby vaginally anyway. Yeah, let's cover our ass, why don't we? No. The other thing I want to tell you is I personally would recommend that you give your body a shot. So you don't have to have an induction or a cesarean because of a big baby. I've had plenty of students who have gone into labor spontaneously with very big babies, very actually big babies. You can give yourself what we would call a trial of labor. Let your body say whether or not it can deliver this baby. And then on top of that, be educated and empowered with the right pushing positions, the right laboring positions. Know how to get the baby into the pelvis. Know how to get the baby through the mid pelvis and out the outer rim of the pelvis. Those are really powerful things to know. This is why my doulas and I were so passionate about that, that we broke it down into a very easily printable guide. It's normally 37. I think we have it on this insane sale of $7 right now. And it has visual, like it's a visual guide that you can print, put it in your labor bag. You can practice at home to get the baby into the rim of the pelvis down onto the cervix because that's the magic that starts your labor. And then you can do the positions when you're in labor to move the baby through the pelvis and then pushing out the pelvis. Knowing how to move your body to open the pelvis is so incredibly powerful. It's like knowing how to do like a Rubik's cube or a little puzzle. If you know how to do it, you're going to do it really fast. You're going to do it right. You're going to move it smoothly. Same thing with moving that baby through the Rubik's cube, which is the pelvis, right? You need to know all those movements. And that is like such a powerful process. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the induction masterclass, but we do have our guide, which is $7, I think, on sale right now because we want to get it into so many hands. Anyhow, let's talk now about the ARRIVE study. So the ARRIVE study, and I'm going to go into this a little deeper during the masterclass, but the ARRIVE study is a study that is so flawed and a lot of providers use it. They use it to their advantage, but honestly, it's a very flawed study. It wasn't done well. And I would suggest you just, eh, you can look at evidence-based birth. I think we have some stuff on our site. There's lots of information out there. But here's what I want to recommend. If your provider is telling you to do something that you don't feel peaceful about, or if your provider is telling you anything, you need to do your own research. Don't just say, okay, whatever. No, say, oh, okay, so you're telling me about the study, or you're telling me that studies show. Can you please go to your office, print the study, and bring it back to me? I'd like to take it home and read it over, and then we can discuss it 
next time I come in so that we both know what you're talking about. That is what you should be doing. You need to understand, know what your provider is talking about and not just take it blindly. Even things that you read on the internet, you need to to do your own research and find out, is this legit or is this just some Joe Blow with literally no experience telling me that's the best thing for my birth? Now, one thing you can get from here is I have 16 years of labor and delivery experience, lots of childbirth education experience, and I've had six babies. So you know you're getting the real deal. And if I don't know your answer, your question, like if I don't know it, I'm going to I'm going to do the research or refer you to someone who does. So just knowledge is power. Obviously, I tell y'all all the time you need to take a full birth class. This is so important. My birth classes do have a section on inductions, but this induction masterclass, we're doing it on top of that to go way deeper into it because so many of you guys end up being induced. That's the truth of the matter. If you do join one of my birth classes, you will get $10 off the induction masterclass. So if one of my students is watching, you want to attend, just let us know. We'll send you the $10 off coupon that's only available for students and members. Anyway, I hope this helped you. I know a lot of you guys were on here with GDM. Um, I just want to encourage you again, if your gestational diabetes is in control, which it should be because you should be making some lifestyle changes. If it's diet control, then you do not have to be induced. You can navigate that decision with your provider, but you are in charge here. You are the birth queen, 100% the birth queen. Okay. Hopefully that was very educational. If you want a bunch more, come next week to the masterclass, the induction masterclass. It's going to be a small group of you guys. We've got limited seats and you're going to leave prepared, feeling calm with a workbook. And we're just going to have a lot of fun breaking apart this really important topic. All right. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Hello, Ashley. I see you if you're still on here. That's one of that's my postpartum doula who's in training and she's also pregnant with baby number two. So exciting. So Ashley said she was induced due to her blood pressure and had a very beautiful birth because of Trish. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, any other questions that I need to get before I hop off? And then I'm going to go snuggle with my little guy. Induced due to water breaking, was that necessary? It depends. What I tell my students when it comes to your water breaking, if your water breaks, you do not have to rush to the hospital. Even if you're GBS, I have rules for that that I can teach you. But if your water breaks and it comes six, eight, 10 hours later, and labor is not starting. And labor would be regular labor contractions causing dilation, causing cervical change. Then you might need what I call a sniff of Pitocin. You might need some extra help. And that is actually called an augmentation. It's different than an induction. An induction is we are getting the whole kit and caboodle started. An augmentation is we, it's already started, but it's maybe your bat your battery's not turning over we might need to jump start you a little so that's an augmentation okay you guys have a fantastic day hey there i hope you enjoyed this instagram live that i did talking about how to navigate the decision on whether or not to be induced i just want you guys to know you have 
options. You do not have to just say yes, but should you say no? And if you do have an induction, you have a right to navigate it with knowledge and power and to understand the choices. You can make choices, you can make suggestions, and you can do this with your provider. Your provider is not just doing it to you. You are the main part of this. Okay, as always, hit subscribe and please leave a review. They help us so much to navigate and they just really mean a lot to me. It it just really means a lot. Plus, we're doing a drawing once a month for those of you who leave a review. So if you leave a review, send me an email with info at labornursemama.com and we will let you know if you're a winner of the drawing. All right, bye for now.